Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Chris McDaniel, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio and The Beacon. Joining me in studio is... Jason Rosenbaum. And... and Joe Manis. And our special guest this week is... Congresswoman Ann Wagner from Missouri's 2nd District. We've tried to make this happen for some time now. Right. Jason, Jason threw cookies. in uh, what sealed the deal, I Well, think. I'm thrilled to have my, my grandfather's congresswoman on. As everybody who knows on the show, I am a big Chesterfield proponent, and this... This, uh, this is the congresswoman who represents Chesterfield. We should have had your grandfather out yesterday. We did a big event, a ribbon cutting and a chamber event in Chesterfield. And it's the biggest municipality in Missouri 2nd he, he Congressional would be District. Very, he'd be very surprised since he moved there in the 1960s. It's turned from farm to <laughs> the mecca of Missouri. Well, so. and it is a retail powerhouse, I will say. Yeah. So it was a pleasure to be there yesterday. And I'm pleased to be here. Jason has provided some yummy <laughs> cookies, as he does for all of the guests, I hear. All so. of the federal guests. um, This is a message to Lacey Clay, Roy Blunt, Jason Smith. If you come on our podcast, just like uh, Congresswoman Wagner and Senator McCaskill, you get cookies. We probably shouldn't have mentioned this because now all of our state-level guests are going to feel really terrible. Uh, I can hear Schweik calling now. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. Next time. All right. Well, we're going to get into a few issues. But before we do that, you're a freshman representative, but obviously your political career goes back much farther than that. So why don't you uh, tell a little bit about yourself for our audience? Sure. I mean, this is home for me. The Missouri 2nd District and uh, St. Louis County is it's personal. It's where I raised my family, where I was raised myself. People talk, and Joe certainly knows that 25 years that we've been involved in (laughs) in politics and uh, and public service. But I'm really the daughter and granddaughter of uh, small business Uh, owners here in the St. Louis area. I worked at my daddy's carpet stores from the age of 12 on and uh, went on to get a business degree, work at Hallmark Cards, Ralston Sharina, great Missouri companies. I think it's important to have a member of Congress who uh, has made a payroll and can read a P&L statement. And uh, I moved, though, quickly from the world of of business uh, into politics. And I have done it all, uh, starting at the grassroots level. I was a township committee woman out in West St. Louis County, Lafayette Township, for nine years, uh, chaired the Missouri Republican Party for for seven years, and then went on to co-chair the Republican National Committee uh, uh, before President Bush then asked me to serve abroad as a United States ambassador. Came home after four years. In uh, Luxembourg. In Luxembourg, four years of of, uh, being the the face and the voice of America uh, internationally and certainly in Western Europe. And... uh, and decided that it was time to put my own name on the yard sign. And uh, mm-hmm. after redistricting, ran for Congress in, uh, as I said, my hometown. And uh, and here I am, a year under my belt mm-hmm. as, a, as a freshman legislator. And as a year under your belt, you're already, I guess, in Republican leadership, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Tell us a little bit about what your role is there and in the, the House. Well, you know, I was uh, very honored to be uh, elected by my freshman class to sit at the le- leadership table There are 12, 12 or 13 of us that sit at the table. These are weekly um, uh, meetings prior to sessions starting, Uh, obviously led by John Boehner, the Speaker of the House, Eric Cantor, our whip, uh, um, uh, Kevin McCarthy, and and, and several others that serve on that leadership uh, uh, committee. And that, that has been one of the most uh, eye-opening and gratifying things because you really get to lay out a legislative agenda. I get to represent the freshman class and bringing their concerns, their issues, advocating on behalf of uh, of, of, uh, of what their constituents are, are hearing and, and want to see us move legislatively. So it's been a, a fascinating uh, 
opportunity for me. Now, of course, like everything you get elected to, they don't tell you what the rules right. are until after you're there. <laughs> and it adds about a day on to my uh, my schedule, but uh, it's it's well worth it. That has been uh, terrific, along with, uh, uh, frankly, serving on the Financial Services Committee, mm-hmm. which is uh, very important, too. And we, we worked, you know, life's a campaign. You, you, you campaign to, to win your office. You campaign to, to serve as the freshman leadership rep. And and also, we worked hard to advocate uh, to be on the financial services. Which is a very committee. important committee in the House. I'd say it's one of the one of the most important committees. Not to you know uh, throw uh, gravitas your way, but I mean it's true. So. It is, and it's important to the second district, and that's the case that I made. If you look, uh, and certainly the uh, the chamber groups and the and the regional commerce and growth association would tell you that uh, upwards of 100,000 jobs are dependent upon the financial service sector here in our metro region. And we've got great companies, everyone from Edward Jones to Wells Fargo to Stiefel, Trade, tons of banking, insurance, credit union interests. Uh, you know, we spend a lot of time on Dodd-Frank and oversight hearings, and it touches those 400 rules and regulations, unfortunately, touch about every industry from commodities and agribusiness to uh, to healthcare to uh, certainly our, our our financial service sector, so uh, it's a pleasure to represent uh, represent those interests in in uh, in the second district. Now, the National Journal just came out with the their list of the goes from the most conservative to the most liberal. And uh, Senator McCaskill often has cited the fact that she you know that she's usually in the right around 50s-ish. in the middle, yeah, yeah. like fifty ish, forty nine. Yours, you you came out as the eighth most conservative, and. I know you've you've promoted it within the last 24 hours or so. Do you want to talk about that and what you think that represents? Yeah, we were surprised, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but uh, National Journal is a, uh, a very reputable um, yes, outlet. And, and what they do that's different than a lot of the other groups that score different um, uh, votes and things and give you some sort of a rating, instead of looking at procedural votes or rules votes, they actually take 111 key votes that are that would be considered a, a common-sense, conservative approach, especially when it comes to fiscal matters. Um, and, uh, yeah, we were, we were very pleased and excited to, uh, to score so high. And, uh, you know, because I don't always vote with leadership, and I don't uh, always uh, toe that line. So uh, I was pleased that certainly in their ratings, they felt that uh, I was uh, advocating on behalf of, of, of limited government and fiscal responsibility and, uh, uh, and, and jobs and free enterprise and all the things that they really score. So it's a thoughtful approach, and uh, I was pleased to be uh, among them. Are there particular issues where you just di- differ with leadership that kind of may have contributed to that rating? Well, it's it's hard to tell. Um, you know, I I certainly uh, did not vote for this last debt limit okay, in, increase. The, I, I was going to ask and, you about that. Um, uh, only about twenty eight Democrats did. Uh, we're certainly pleased uh, that we're uh, not going to default on mm-hmm. our our nation's. Um, but what prompted you to vote against it, though? Well, because there was nothing that the president was willing to come to the table to work with us on, and uh, I was supporting uh, the increase uh, uh, with with certain. Uh, real debt decrease drivers, especially on the mandatory side of our our ledger, that um, we put forward. But it was really his way or or the highway. And uh, without doing something with that mandatory spending, with those entitlement spending, without some kind of of, uh, reining in uh, of this, you know, gosh, upwards of $17 trillion of debt and looking into the future. I mean, I ran 
because I've got kids and uh, hopefully grandkids someday. And I worry about the debt that we're leaving them. And uh, I felt that the president needed to sit down with us and work with us uh, on these issues, and he would not. So um, I didn't support that. There are a number of times that I um, I probably break from uh, from leadership. But what I really try and do is is vote the district. And this is a, a district that cares a great deal about jobs and fiscal responsibility uh, and the economy. They care about uh, the fact that um, uh, they're hurting. You know, many of them are have dropped out of the workforce. Many of them are watching their costs go up, especially when it comes to energy and um, health care and consumer costs. But their average paycheck over the last four years has decreased $2,400 per family. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a tough environment out there, and I'm uh, always looking out for their, their concerns. Now, one of the big issues, though, that you've been focusing on lately is sex trafficking. And you were just talking before we went on the air about a conference that you had just came from? Well, I just, well, I just have come from a round of meetings. It's, it's great to be back in the district. We're generally, any given month, about three weeks uh, uh, voting and working in Washington and a week back in the district. And, yeah, I just left International uh, Crisis Aid and their safe home met with a number of women um, uh, who had been sex trafficked and were victims, Uh, met with uh, uh, the first responders and those that are on the front lines helping and supporting them, met with many of our law enforcement uh, task uh, folks. And I I will tell you, this is an area of incredible passion for me. I do a lot and have passed some meaningful legislation on the Financial Services Committee. But as a former United States ambassador, I dealt – with uh, human trafficking. Oh, really? Um, well, from an international standpoint, and certainly in Western Europe, where they were bringing mm-hmm. oftentimes women from um, Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. the Baltics, whatever, uh, into uh, Western Europe to be trafficked. The State Department uh, puts out a trafficking in person report. It was something that I, I spent a, a good deal of time on and, and felt very strongly uh, about uh, when I served as an ambassador. But never, never did I think that here in our own country it was hiding in plain sight. Uh, Justice Department, and after we did some research, the Justice Department uh, passed along numbers that upwards of 300,000 young girls uh, are in jeopardy uh, of this. And the average age of these sex slaves and these these girls that are human trafficked is 13 to 14 years old. It is a $9.5 billion industry, and uh, there has not been meaningful federal legislation uh, on this issue uh, for the past 10 to 12 years. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask right. next. What, what is the right. Congress's role right. here? What right. type of regulations could they do to curtail this? You know, we reauthorize um, every, uh, every year the, the, the package that was passed some 10 to 12 years uh, ago. But, you know, like, like everything in life, uh, things move forward, and uh, you've got to revise what you have. So I, I went to leadership, presented the situation, uh, and told them about the number of American children, and mainly young girls, but, but children everywhere that are being exploited and victimized in this way, uh, made a passionate plea, put all the, 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 the pieces together, and we're going to be moving some pieces of legislation that are going to add more prosecutorial teeth to things, are going to support law enforcement, uh, are going to set up some, some vic- victim rights and resources uh, for them. And then I am teaming up. Um, so there are multiple pieces of this. Uh, uh, Congressman Poe, who's coming in for the conference, and I'll mention that in a minute, uh, along with uh, uh, Congressman Paulson and others have been working on packages for some time that are, are really great in terms of, of um, uh, updating the, the current laws. I am working on a brand new piece called the National Safe Children's Act, and I've teamed up 
with um, Senator Mark Kirk in um, uh, in Illinois. Yeah. And uh, because, you know, if you really want something that's going to pass you, you, and, and get signed into law, you have to work with the Senate, uh, too. And this is going to go on uh, after um, uh, after these predators like Backpage.com uh, and others that are advertising underage uh, sex. That's probably, based on the numbers we have, uh, about a $45 million a year industry uh, that is trafficking underage girls uh, online, and uh, they make up about 83% of it. So mm. we're going to go after them. There's nothing in the criminal code that allows prosecutors. Some 47 attorneys general have asked us to do this, uh, um, teaming up with, with groups, uh, Republican, Democrat, liberal, I, conservative, uh, across sure the that, board. Pretty sure that Missouri's <laughs> attorney general has, has as well. So Yeah, I will tell you, 47 have. And mm-hmm. it is St. Louis. St. Louis is in the top 20 for human trafficking. Wow. Not really? a statistic, yes. Not a statistic that we should be the least bit uh, uh, proud about, but something that we need to recognize and move forward on. So I am bound and determined. My feeling is follow the money. Let's shut down and make it a criminal activity. They've been hiding behind the uh, Communications Decency Act uh, because there's nothing in the criminal code that goes after this. So we've teamed up. We've got a a good piece of legislation that I'm hoping uh, uh, to shut this down. It is abhorrent that people uh, can order up, and mainly men, can order up a 13- or 14-year-old girl to their hotel room like they would a pepperoni pizza. I'm, I hate to put it that bluntly, but that is what they're doing. And, uh, and I think organizations that advertise underage prostitution and sex slavery ought to be shut down. Now, what's, yeah. what's the timeline for your right. bill? Is this, well, is this something that's – Well, we're, we're talking about doing a complete package. Like mm-hmm. I said, uh, um, several yeah. of the other uh, members of Congress have been working uh, on things, and we'll, we're going to have an entire package. I am hopeful. Uh, obviously, I, I have a bit of an in with leadership, and we've been working on mm-hmm. a calendar here. Now, depends on some hearings and markups and things right. that have to be done. It's my hope that uh, we can move multiple pieces of legislation, including this one, uh, in the in the week leading up to Mother's Day. Really? So um, that's a really fast fast turnaround. I'm hopeful. I really am, and it's important, you know, that uh, that we do this and that we uh, do it on an, on an ongoing basis. This is also about awareness and education, um, and we're getting out in the community. We've got a conference coming mm-hmm. up, uh, Ignite. Uh, I would encourage everyone, this is March 2nd through 4th, it's going to be here in St. Louis, downtown. Um, It is, uh, uh, if you go to the exchangeinitiative.com, you can register. Uh, Congressman Poe is coming in. Mayor Slay contacted me uh, just uh, a day or two ago and asked if he could come. Via Twitter? And uh, (laughs) we always tweet each other. Yes, we do. (laughs) Uh, No, no, no. This was an official call. and. uh, we work very well together, and I think he recognizes that there is much more that we need to be doing. But we're working with, with uh, Kimberly Ritter, um, with Nick's conference uh, center. So visitors and, and conference centers, hotel management, management groups, um, transportation modes, the corporate community, school counselors, law enforcement, prosecutors. I want to bring everybody together so that we can talk about resources, best practices, um, you know, what we can do uh, to, to end this, this scourge that is, as I say, hiding in plain sight in our own neighborhoods, our own cul-de-sacs, our own faith communities, our own um, school districts. Uh, that is an American problem that uh, 
um, is, is uh, not exposed, not talked about uh, enough. Yeah. Now, are there any other major issues that you're pushing besides this particular package, or do you see this as the key focus for you this year? Well, um, well, certainly we'll be doing a lot of work on the Financial Services uh, okay. Committee. I was able to pass the Retail Investor Protection Act, uh, which rolled back a, a big chunk of Dodd-Frank. We will continue on our oversight when mm-hmm. it comes to uh, to working um, uh, with these other governmental agencies that uh, seem to radically overreach into uh, into the lives of of, um, uh, of our businesses and our, our community, we'll be working obviously on health care. You know, this is a big issue and everyone knows what's happening with the Affordable Care Act mm-hmm. and, the, and the concerns that uh, the country has, the deadlines. Now, gosh, this president has moved things back 22 to 24 different deadline moves on this, a lot of different exceptions and, and carve-outs. We want the president not to act by, as he says, phone and pen, but to come to Congress. Uh, we're, we want to work to, to provide um, uh, good quality uh, health care at an affordable cost with access uh, for all uh, in the United States. And this, this system is not working. We've got solutions. We'll be putting a solution pra- uh, package together. Well, in fact, that's what I was going to ask you. Are, are there your dream uh, things that you think would better address this? I, I do, and, and there are a number of things. Uh, I, I do believe that uh, it is our duty to take care of people with preexisting conditions. I, I, I believe that uh, health care, much like How your, do you do that without a mandate? Well, I, I don't think they need uh, a mandate. I think okay. they need portability okay. of their health care. And what we need is a, is a better competitive model. If you're buying car insurance or life insurance, that's portable across state lines. Why is health care insurance not? Why can't you shop that like you can any other? I am a big fan. And I was just talking with Congressman, uh, our former senator talent, uh, mm-hmm. last night uh, about association health care plans. I want them to be... Um, uh, uh, for folks to have the, the tax incentive for those to um, to put these HSAs together um, in a pool that is uh, affordable uh, for others, catastrophic care, there's liability reform. There are all sorts of things that I think we can make a more competitive model. Put the consumer, the, um, uh, the person, the family, uh, more in charge of, of uh, their health care, their costs, uh, the benefits uh, that go along with that. Right now, I am receiving just hundreds of, and I've talked about them on the floor right. of the house, of emails and and calls, deductibles going up, uh, premiums going up, copays going up, people being dropped from their coverage. Uh, we can solve this problem, but we've got to work together. And I hope the president will work with us on this. So, so uh, healthcare will be another, I think, key issue that we'll be tackling over the next uh, year. And then, in terms of work that I'll do on the committee on financial services, Jobs Act 2.0 is going to come out, and I will probably have a, a, a some some legislation in terms of, of of spurring economic growth, upward mobility. Um, you know. I, I said I, I want to talk. I'm, I'm tired of talking about job creators. I want to talk about job holders. I don't want to talk about unemployment. I want to talk about employment, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and and giving people the opportunity and a shot at the American dream, just like I had. Uh, my dad told me when I was a 12 year old working in his carpet store, go to school, work hard, 
um, get good grades, and, um, and, and you too will have uh, every opportunity that this great country has to offer you. And I want that for my kids. Now, 2014 is an election year. Your, your district is still Republican-leaning. I'd say you're favored to win re-election. It's less Republican-leaning than before. It yep. has Jeffco, South County, whatnot. But and the 2012 election was not very close. No. So what, what's kind of going to be your role as uh, in, in, in this election cycle? Are you going to raise money to help other candidates? Are you going to be stumping across the country, across the state? What are you going to be doing over the next few months politically? We'll see. You know, I'm um, first and foremost, it's about the 2nd District and, um, uh, and the constituents that I represent uh, here. I exhale every time that plane lands uh, at Lambert Field and I get home to Baldwin. And I've, I've said over and over again, I will may work in Washington, but I will never be of Washington. We're of O'Fallon and Chesterfield and uh, Oakville and Melville and Kirkwood and uh, all the surrounding uh, uh, areas. And uh, so their needs, their concerns will always come first and foremost in, in what I do. Filing opens up uh, February 25th. Correct. I will be down in Jefferson City on Tuesday morning filing for re-elect. In fact, this is the first that I'm uh, I'm announcing. And, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that you weren't going to constrain yourself to one two-year term, but maybe I mean, I'm the only one. So. I, I, the, the job is not done is what I will say, and there's, there's more, more to get done. We, we passed some 200 pieces of legislation uh, in the House uh, last year alone, um, many of them in a bipartisan fashion. And, and frankly, we've gotten no action in the U.S. Senate at all. Many of them are just sitting in a drawer somewhere, mm-hmm. dying a slow death. And I hope that we're going to be able to uh, to actually move some legislation, have some some uh, victories, both increasing our numbers in the House and um, at the Senate level too, so we can actually move legislation. One of the big things that I'm working on, uh, and have been leading up to the 2014 election. And, and Joe knows this back from my work at the RNC, is yes. with women, yes. right. women candidates and women candidate recruitment. That is my passion. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I actually asked a similar question to Senator McCaskill. Like, what is the challenge, especially for Republicans, of getting more women, uh, female candidates? I'll Be- tell you. Our conference right now uh, in, the, in the House, our Republican conference, we have 234 members and only 19 are women. That is a failure. And uh, I, I, I just uh, will do anything I can to improve those numbers. Women make up 54% of the electorate. And in our Republican conference, we have less than 10% uh, of women uh, on board. And I think women, uh, you know, we offer this, this breadth and depth of our life experience, usually as, uh, as, as mothers and daughters and, and wives and business leaders and community leaders that we bring to the table. We're multitaskers. We're solution-oriented. Uh, we're action-oriented. When we get things done, we always feel an urgency. Uh, we're good listeners. We're the ones who come on, guys. We, we're the ones who ask for directions. You know this. You know when we're lost. And uh, it's the other uh, way around for me and my <laughs> wife. So, so, uh, but I, I'll tell you, it's. Um, I started this when I was at the RNC, uh, a, a program called Winning Women, and we empowered the states to um, uh, have elected officials and people run for office at all different levels. But now we've got Project Grow in the Congress. And there are multiple pieces of this that has to do with messaging, has to do with working with a lot of our male colleagues that um, have women running against them. But what I have focused on is women candidate recruitment. And I can tell you that I have 
north of 40 really? women candidates, I think, uh, filed. I have great support from the leadership. Congresswoman Diane uh, Black of Tennessee has been kind of my real partner in this. And we are now kind of winnowing that list down of what I would call uh, Tier 1 and Tier 2 candidates. And uh, at some point, once I get that worked out, we'll uh, be happy to share those numbers with you. I won't make any predictions about what our uh, increases will be, but we're, we're going to elect more women, more Republican women uh, uh, to, to Congress. I, I told a, a group the other day, I don't want just candidates. I want, I want women members of Congress, and that's what we're working towards. Now, you also, also, though, have jumped in a little bit into state politics as far as 2016. You were one of the first major figures to actually announce who you're supporting for governor in 2016, and that's Catherine Hannaway, happens to be a woman, but um, yes, also yeah. former House Speaker, and former, former U.S. US attorney. attorney. So, yeah. By the way, do you refer to her first reference as U.S. Attorney, former U.S. Attorney <laughs> Catherine Hannaway, or former House Speaker? I'm figuring out which title is uh, weightier. I, I, it's usually "Hey you." you know, I think "Hey you" so, would probably you know. be the better option. When we have her on the show, we we'll have to ask. Oh uh, no, Catherine's. You know, there, there couldn't be anybody more grounded. Uh, uh, and I think we we all are. I laugh. You know, you know, all you need is kids to ground you, right? When I was the ambassador, my my children very uh, fondly referred to me as the ambassador. So uh, <laughs> you know, all you need is a kid to to put you in your place. And uh, Catherine's been a. Uh, a, a dear and very close friend, both personally and then professionally and politically, for most of my life. I mean, we worked together as a team when I was state party chairman, and 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 she was looking to take back the majority in the Missouri House for the first time in 48 years back in 2002, and uh, and make her the first woman speaker. Uh, I think the world of her, and I did jump in. I do support her wholeheartedly and 110 percent. Uh, for governor. I, I feel that uh, she has the leadership skills to get this done, the vision for our state. We've got a Republican legislature, and it's time that we have a Republican governor that they can work together, uh, put out the welcome mat uh, for jobs and the economy in this state. And uh, no one has worked better with a legislator, a legislature than I, I think Catherine has. When I look back to her time and tenure as speaker, and I, I think about the, the work that she did. She had, uh, then had a Democrat governor, Bob Holden, uh, who I also hold in high regard, but um, and have worked with uh, certainly at, uh, through Webster University and his programs there. But uh, she was able to fight back his tax increases in a, in a very large way, uh, leading the legislature. She passed real meaningful what we call tort reform or, or a, a, a legal liability reform. Uh, when I think of the work that she did, massive work that she did on adoptive and foster care, uh, she has an adopted son, and it was very personal to her. And uh, many pieces of legislation that I think she led in and, and, and brought a, a newly formed caucus together to get things done. So um, I support her not, not just as a friend, but as someone who I believe is a proven leader with real vision who can get it done. And the final question, though, there are other people who are interested in governor. It's still early, 2016. Right. I remember in 2008 we were talking about a Mike Gibbons versus Chris Coster versus Catherine Hannaway attorney general's race. So a lot could change then. But is there any concern that there might be a competitive primary for governor and it could it could hurt prospects? Well, I, I expect there will be a, a, com, a competitive primary. We always do. I mean, this is an important uh, job. This is our democratic process. I've been involved in primaries. We all have been. But let me say this. Uh, Chris Coster is, uh, has begun the campaign. He's running for governor. He's raised well north of $1.5 million. Yes. And in, as far as I'm concerned, we're not going to wait 
uh, for a year or a year and a half or whatever to begin a campaign. We need to start talking uh, uh, about General uh, Coster and uh, and his policies and the work that he's uh, been involved in. And, uh, you know, timeline-wise, uh, really, I think the reason that we need to get started now is because he has begun and is very much involved in, in this race. Uh, so uh, I'm glad she's stepped up. Others may, uh, but but uh, she's my first choice. Have you gotten some pushback from some other Republicans who are backing either uh, no. Auditor Schweik or no, you know, somebody else? Not really. I think um, I think most folks are, are glad to see us talking about the race, talking about preparing for it, and really 2014 – is a warm-up to that. You know how it is in in, in an off-cycle. We'll have the legislature up. Obviously, members of Congress will be on the ballot. Uh, Auditor Schweik, who I was also with last night, um, is running for re-election. I think he's a great auditor. And, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure there'll be others that have an interest in, in getting involved. But uh, we can't wait. We cannot wait and let uh, uh, Chris Coster have a free pass for the next year plus. Let me close this out here. You can read all of our stories at stlpublicradio.org. You can follow me on Twitter at, at @csmcdaniel. Jason, J Rosenbaum, Joe, uh, J Manis at J M A N N I E S. And you can follow the Congresswoman on Twitter. Yes, at Rep Ann Wagner. Very good. We'll be back next week. Until then, so long.